1: News Headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmead.
2: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Brian Kilmead Show. So glad you're here. 1-866-408-7669. Brett Bear. our off a trip to Iowa, a couple of days back in Washington. Then he's going to be going to New Hampshire, where the good news is he'll be able to see me in person, which is going to be great for both of us. And we do have something else in common, which we'll go over in a moment. This hour, we also going to be joined by Trey Gowdy, and I'll be taking your calls. Meanwhile, you can always watch the show on the Fox News app. You just click on the headset so you can hear it and see it. You can also watch on Fox Nation. I hope you do it. And you could always catch the show as a podcast. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with
3: the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. First of all, as you noted... Those bodies were already past the park when those border patrols showed up, number one. Number two, we have our military stationed along that area. Had anyone been struggling, they would have gone in to save
2: them. That is Dan Patrick, lieutenant governor, trying to knock out another rumor that the the Texas National Guard let kids drown. Did not happen. The number one issue for voters right now, the U.S. border. The Texas state officials and Federal uh, Border Patrol are clashing. Why? Because the Border Patrol is not allowed to do their job, and Texas has had enough. We will tell you about the next scandal that we are going to get ahead of. Number two.
4: One thing I say everywhere is that polls don't vote. uh, Voters do. And one thing that voters have done uh, since President Biden got into the arena uh, is vote for him. Uh, And that's why he was successful and was sent to the White House in 2020 with more votes than any president in modern-day history.
2: Quentin Falks on Special Report yesterday doing his best to sell the Biden presidency and re-election effort. He failed miserably. Biden finally emerging with a full schedule and more bad news in the polls when it comes to battleground stage. And meanwhile, Joe Manchin just joined me on TV about his chance of running for president himself.
0: Number one, But here's where they're miscalculating. The Ramaswamy votes, which are about five, six percent, those go to Trump which I believe will put him over the edge in New Hampshire.
2: That, of course, is Kayleigh McEnany, do or die for Haley in New Hampshire, where the state shapes up for to have enough independent and voters to balance out uh, the conservatives and possibly give Haley a, a close second or even a first. Meanwhile, DeSantis tries to survive by going to South Carolina, continues to fight hard. Meanwhile, the former president sees an opportunity to clear the field with a substantial win. So that'll be interesting to find out when, in fact, we do find that out. So what's going on? Asa Hutchinson's out. That's not a surprise. ABC cancels the New Hampshire debate. Nikki Haley says, I'm not debating unless it's against Trump or Biden. I actually don't blame her because both DeSantis and Nikki Haley get hurt. Because they're going at uh, DeSantis and Haley are going at each other so bitterly and personally, I think they both are losing ground. The American Research Group has a poll out; it has Trump and Haley tied at forty, undecided at nine, DeSantis at four, Ram Swamy at four. Now Haley would gain you would, in theory when Christie dropped out. He had about twelve percent. If they're good enough for third place in the last poll, uh, if DeSantis dropped out, that would help in theory, Donald Trump, because there are. Going after the same voters, uh, very much the the uh, the Trump-like voters. DeSantis most like Trump, only uh, forty or fifty years younger, but he's out there working hard. I have nothing, no criticism of Ron DeSantis. People point out that he's dry; he doesn't he doesn't work well with people. That's just not true. It's not the guy that I saw. Uh, uh, And I think Donald Trump's approach since winning New Hampshire, and I know that since winning Iowa, now that he's in New Hampshire, has been really strong and presidential. I don't know if he can keep that up if Haley stays so close, but she is getting very tough on Trump. Money is pouring in uh, for her to take him on. Uh, She's trying to get Democrats. She's trying to get liberals who have infiltrated the New Hampshire race after getting crushed by about 30 points, they're pouring about $10 million uh, and they're putting, I wouldn't say 10, but they already spent $22 million in broadcast advertising overall. Uh, they are just now hitting Trump with $95,000 a day in Trump attacks on his presidency. So she's basically eliminating herself, I think, from going back in his cabinet should he get the nomination and win the presidency. Here is Donald Trump. Cut five.
5: The Democrats are supporting her because she's easy to beat. You know, the Democrats are funding most of her campaign, and they're doing it because they want to run against, they don't want any more of Trump. A lot of people feel that way.
2: I also think that there's some Democrats who are so fed up with their party, they could find themselves easier to vote for Haley than Trump because uh, Haley's less drama and not as conservative. Traditional, more of a traditional... John McCain-like Democrat. And I'm not saying anything negative. I'm just pointing out what I've seen so far. Here's more from Trump. Cut six.
5: You know, he ran for, you do know he ran for president. He just didn't have the courage to say, I'm running for president. He ran, he was all over the place for months, running, running, running. And then after he got his highest number, about 2%, he decided to announce that he's not running.
2: So he was talking about Governor Sununu who's playing a big role in boosting up, uh, in, in boosting up Nikki Haley. It's going to be interesting. You know, she'll, she'll have a lot of energy. They have a lot of ads. And she's going at Trump directly. Uh, here's what she said yesterday. Cut three.
6: The pundits will analyze the results from every angle. We get that. But when you look at how we're doing in New Hampshire, in South Carolina, and beyond, I can safely say tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Tonight... Tonight, I will be back in the great state of New Hampshire. And the question before Americans is now very clear.
0: Do you want more
6: of the same or do you want a new generation of conservative leadership?
2: So there she is. And she wanted we don't need 280 year old presidents running the country again. So there you go. Uh, she's going at it directly. She came in third, and she said um, it's a two-person race. Her theory is, because Ron DeSantis is really not a factor in New Hampshire, and South Carolina isn't to the end of February, it's really a two-person race. How could he possibly sustain himself? But he's going hard. I wouldn't see. This there's, there's two opportunities. Haley becomes extremely relevant, and she'll, she'll get closer in South Carolina. Unless she can win, because I think that might be the number one state for Trump, period. She'll get closer in South Carolina if she, in fact, gets really close or actually wins in New Hampshire. No Republican, non-incumbent Republican, has ever won Iowa and New Hampshire. No one has ever won by that much, which Donald Trump won last time. So we we'll make, uh, see if he can make history again. Now, the other story is, what's going on with the President of the United States? I mean, he doesn't do anything. I mean, he literally is nowhere. Uh, you don't see him anywhere. Look at this. On December, he went to Delaware vacation, December 17th. On December 20th, did an event in Milwaukee. December 23rd, Camp David. December 27th to the January 2nd, Virgin Islands. Then he gives one speech in Pennsylvania. Then he gives a speech in South, Charleston, South Carolina. Attends a funeral in January. And then Allentown, Pennsylvania. He only goes to Pennsylvania. And then he goes to Camp David again. So it's been 36 days since Biden held a formal press conference. And now he's with another leader. I want to see a press conference where would sit there for an hour and a half and answer some questions. Houthi rebels, you just made them a terror. Uh, you just put them on the terror list again. Will you admit that it was a mistake taking them off to begin with? Do you know that the Red Sea has been virtually shut down because you didn't listen to the Saudis when they said they were a terror group? And there's a reason why we blockaded them because they keep rocketing us for no reason because Iran wants them to. And now they're rocketing everyone and it no longer pays for Shell or Exxon or any commercial vessel to go through there. It's 15% of all world commerce goes through there. Not anymore. Costing everyone millions, if not billions of dollars. I love that question to him. I love that question to, are you not for Taiwan freedom and independence? Why? Explain it. Number two, why is it important for for us to support Zelensky? Why don't you explain that to people? Instead, it's the right thing. I'm all for it, but you don't explain to anybody. All right. Um, when we come back, uh, I'm going to talk to Brett uh, and then definitely Trey Guy at the bottom of the hour. The president yesterday was bouncing back and forth. The president was also going to court in New York City, and I was going back to New Hampshire. He's going to go to court in New York City. So they're picking a jury now in this defamation suit. This is criminal. This is a woman whose accusations go back to the mid-'90s. She doesn't even remember the exact year. I don't know if she's telling the truth. But since when did these cases come front and center and the, and the lawyer supplied by a Democratic operative to go against the Republican nominee? Likely nominee. Listen to the Brian Kilmeade show. A little suspicious. Don't move. Diving deep into
1: today's top stories. It's Brian Kilmeade.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it?
1: From his mouth to, to your ears, ears, it's Brian Kilmeade.
5: The only way to stop the Biden lunatics and radical leftists is trying to they to cancel out your votes. They want to cancel out your votes. That's what they're doing with Haley. They love Haley because they're going to load it up with Democrats. They're not going to win anyway. They're not going to win anyway. They're not even close. But they're going to load it up with Democrats and independents. And that's not what the Republican Party is about.
2: Uh, that is uh, some of the challenges that Donald Trump will have, in theory, in New Hampshire. And I see this poll. I don't know how much credence we give to this poll, but it's a dead heat at 40 percent. And for people that want Haley and DeSantis to drop out, I think that's well way premature. I know that Donald Trump supporters would love it. And the same people that were trying to diminish the magnitude of his victory, that's also unfair. It was a huge victory. And the 100,000 people that showed up, I don't think is indicative of the enthusiasm for Republicans. Now if if every single primary is low, then you got a story. But when it's twenty two below zero and it's presumed that we know the winner prior to it because he's winning on so many polls, I think that factors into any uh to any result that needs to be analyzed to talked about the turnout. Uh Brett Bear lived it. He's been in for quite a few days. He was over in Iowa and he's gonna be over in New Hampshire, but joins us now. Hey Brett. Hey Bron. So are you surprised there's so many calls for DeSantis and Haley to drop out?
7: No, you know, I mean, Trump supporters, um, backers uh, thinking this is over. Um, I don't think you can say that yet. I mean, obviously, there's a couple more uh, big races that could make a difference. And if Trump rolls in in New Hampshire and Nevada and South Carolina, I think then there are calls before Super Tuesday to – to make it go away but um i i do think that there will still be things to to talk about races to run and new hampshire could get tight it'll be interesting to see how nikki haley plays it with um, democrats and independents factoring in that race
2: do we know how many uh are they expecting i understand on the record independents account for three hundred forty-three thousand of all registered voters so do you, do you have a sense or have you been given a sense of how many you expect, uh, the percentage of which are expected to show up on Tuesday?
7: No, we don't know. And weather, you know, looks, it's much better than Iowa. It's not negative 37. Uh, but it could be snowy and that sort of thing. Again, New Hampshire, they don't really care. Uh, they take all of this very seriously. And uh, it is a bigger population of independents in New Hampshire. It's just a bigger pool. And who shows up on election day? Uh, really matters.
2: What was your takeaway from the president's, not only the town hall with you and Martha, but it kind of the same spirit, in my view, of his victory speech after Iowa? Could you describe the Trump, you've seen him, you've interviewed him so many times, uh, you, you know, what, know what he's like in real life as well as campaign life. Can you describe his approach and demeanor?
7: Yeah, much more laid back, much more uh, general election President Trump, um, I think, you know, when you start a sentence with Ron and Nikki and not De Sanctus and Birdbrain, I think it's a different tone. Um, I don't know how long that tone runs, uh, but it is clearly different. And he had the same sense in that speech with uh, at the end of Iowa, too. He was back on the stump last night, you know, in New Hampshire. and But I do sense there's a different pitch here. You know, I'm not going to have time for retribution. There's going to be so much success. I mean, these are makings of ads to try to get maybe uh, Trump skeptical Republicans back on the wagon.
2: Uh, So I guess we're going to see what happens. What do you think the game plan is with DeSantis? I thought he did fine in the town hall last night. I watched a lot of it on CNN. And then I also noticed that he went to South Carolina, be going to New Hampshire. But clearly he's in single digits. He's going to do terribly in New Hampshire. What is his pathway? Have you talked to some of his people?
7: I have talked to him. They say they're in it for the long haul, but of course they're going to tell me that. And um, I think the real question is is money, funding, support. Uh, if the polls are right and he's uh, really trailing significantly in New Hampshire, it's just not going to be a good number, and he's going to have to make the case, if that's not a good number, what that looks like, you know? Um, South Carolina... He's, again, trailing big behind the former president, first of all, but um, also the former South Carolina governor.
2: So last night you had a uh, Biden official on Quentin Falks, at which time you couldn't even uh, you couldn't hold yourself back after some of these uh, relatively unique statements and reviews of the border under Joe Biden. Cut 18.
4: Donald Trump had four years uh, to do something on the border um, and he did nothing. Um, And then right now what we have, uh, in fact, Donald Trump put. Uh, immigrants in cages. He separated families, worked at the president, Joe Biden, has gotten to work okay, still putting those families back together. But when it comes to on, immigration- Wait a second. Your you're not saying Congress- that
7: the, the situation in immigration and the border is better under the Biden administration than it is under the Trump administration? Is that what you're saying?
4: What I'm saying to you is that President Biden took office, uh, sent a comprehensive immigration reform package to Congress. They have refused to pass it or do anything on it.
2: Okay, uh, I mean, I I looked at your face. You're usually pretty stone faced on stuff like this. You couldn't you yeah. couldn't handle it. Yeah, I mean, what were you thought, well, Pat, I mean, when he said that?
7: Well, it's just such um, provably false that they're ne- they're going to have to come up with a better immigration answer. First of all, after he said all that, I said, okay, let's look at the policies. The pr- President Biden changed catch and release. He changed remain in Mexico. He changed the border patrol situation. Um, You don't think that changed the dynamic? And then he went back to the immigrants and families in cages. And then I said, do you know, as of today, there are more kids in custody in the Biden administration than there were in the Trump administration? And they don't have an answer for immigration. And it is really the biggest weak point. There are a number of them, but it's the biggest weak point for the Biden campaign.
2: Uh, no doubt about it. And Joe Manchin even said that to me today about 45 minutes ago. and He said that's one of the main things. What's the number one thing? He goes the border. It, there's no doubt about it, the border. Now, today, we understand the big four are going to be meeting with the president of the United States because you can't go to Camp Dave in the middle of the week. So they're going to meet on the border. That should be one of the things. The other thing would be a spending plan and how it's all linked to Ukraine aid, Israel aid and Taiwan aid. What have people told you to expect, and do you think that Senator Langford and Senator Murphy will be submitting their outline soon?
7: I do. I think that President Biden is desperate for some kind of a deal, and I bet he's going to strong-arm Senate Democrats to accept changes to the parole language, the asylum language, in order to get a deal, first of all, on the border, but second of all, to get the money to Ukraine and to Israel and to have this Big bipartisan win. Republicans, I think, are realizing that they're not going to be able to get what they would get in this deal, even with a Republican Senate and House. Um, and I think they're they're realizing they they have to negotiate too. All right,
2: congratulations! You're back in the New York Times list. Uh, good job, uh, Brett.
7: Thank you. It's a lot of fun. Yep. They're hanging around,
2: hanging around the hoop. Yep. I'm, I'm in there too. So we made a big comeback last week. Hopefully it'll begin tonight. See you in New Hampshire.
1: A talk show that's real. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: Just one lie, Laura, after a lie, after a lie. First of all, as you noted, Those bodies were already past the park when those border patrols showed up, number one. Number two, we have our military stationed along that area. Had anyone been struggling, they would have gone in to save them. Just one month ago, the FBI came down with a civil rights report that that we somehow or another were taking our boats on the Rio Grande and running over people. They came and looked at the video all night long, no, what was happening, we were in the boats saving people. The FBI apologized the next day. Remember, go back a couple of years ago, we were whipping people. Remember that? It's been a lie after lie after lie. Every person that drowns in the river, every woman, every child, every man, and every woman who's raped coming across here, it's at the hands of Joe Biden.
2: No doubt about it. That was Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. And what he was referring to as what Bill Malusian tweeted out, there was this story that the Texas National Guard stopped the Border Patrol from saving people from drowning and a woman and child. Well, Bill Malusian went out and quickly posted this. The Biden administration is once again pushing a false narrative at the border, now refuted uh, by their own DOJ. White House's claim on Friday had a woman and two children drown near Eagle Pass, Texas. Officials blocked U.S. Border Patrol from attempting the emergency. The migrants had already drowned at eight. Texas had until uh, later at nine o'clock. The Border Patrol didn't inform Texas until uh, later at 9 o'clock. They said this is just like the horse patrol whipping claims uh, that had the vice president actually talking about the border for the only second time in her career. Let's bring in uh, Trey Gowdy. Uh, Trey knows everything, plus he's a fantastic host here on, on our channel, former chairman of the House Oversight Committee and Government Reform Committee. Uh, and so- uh, Sunday night uh, in America with Trey Gowdy is at 7 o'clock. Hey, Trey, uh, thanks so much for calling in.
8: Thank you, Brian. You doing okay? I actually, as I was listening to that, of course, I was a prosecutor back 100,000 years ago. But I was I was also the chairman of the Subcommittee on Immigration and Border Security on the House Judiciary Committee. And I mean, what an insidious accusation to accuse law enforcement of watching someone drown.
2: And stopping Border Patrol from doing anything, which is even worse. So Bill Melusia knocked it out of the park. And then you have that question. I don't think that Ron DeSantis realized it last night. So Wolf Blitzer asked that question to Governor DeSantis as if it was fact. And he says, is it right that Texas National Guard let them drown? And he basically said uh, this federal government has let this border fall apart and kind of walked around it because I don't think they've ever heard that before. But can you describe how unique this is? that the Texas National Guard has to knock push aside the border patrol because they are not allowed to do their job and sometimes as many as 12,000 a day are crossing our border illegally, Trey. How how unique is this in our history?
8: Yeah, it was one of the strangest debates I remember having in Congress, which is I mean, look, if you're if you're a constitutional conservative, naturalization, immigration issues, they are necessarily federal in nature. You cannot yeah. have 50 different immigration policies. But what are you to do when the entity responsible for the border abdicates it and refuses to do it? And and, and remember, the debate used to be whether or not state and local law enforcement could assist federal law enforcement and enforcing our immigration laws, and many of my Democrat colleagues, they don't mind if you assist in murder cases. They don't mind if you assist in drug cases. But God forbid you assist in enforcing our immigration laws, and it never made sense. Brian, accept this. This is, this is where I come down on it. For some people, the issue is much, much better politically than the solution. It's, the, the, having the issue is better. I have no look, patience for that. And look, I fault Republicans a little bit too yeah. but, but because we, we did have control of everything for, for two years, and, and we didn't get it done. I mean I don't think it's been comprehensively done in quite some time, but people are sick of it. I mean this border issue – like Iowa, the, the border issue is right up there with the, with the economy.
2: It's number one. Uh, I I saw uh, actually beat the economy, at least among Republicans. And he had Joe Manchin on with me on Fox and Friends about an hour ago and said it's one of the number one issues that he jumped into the race for. And he's going to meet with the president one more time, in theory. And he's going to explain to him this, that if they don't come up with a deal, you should use executive orders to do the following. Do you know on parole, this new parole, and maybe you could explain to me uh, technically what it is. 5,000 people were let in the last year of the Trump administration. Do you know one million? Joe Biden has let in one million on parole now. They're calling. Senator Lankford is negotiating to get it eliminated along with asylum. Could you tell people what parole, what would qualify you in theory for parole?
8: Well, let me start with asylum. So all you have to do is make a, quote, credible claim that you are reasonably in fear because of either your religious or your political beliefs. And so the presumption is what you're saying is true, even if, like, that is all you can say is I am reasonably in fear. Sometimes it would be, Brian, it would be kind of attached in English yeah. to the chest of the person coming across because they know those are the talismanic words. And so that gets you on this side of the border. If you imagine, imagine, because I'll think about this this morning. I got the masters coming up. You're a sports nut. I'm a sports nut. Imagine if you had what they thought might be a counterfeit ticket to Augusta, yeah, and they said, hey, go walk around the course and we'll come find you if your ticket winds up being counterfeit. No, that's not the way it works. You stay on the public side of the fence until they verify the information, but not on this. So, So we let you go, we give you a court date that is years in the future, We don't really do anything. There's really no punishment if you abscond. If you don't report to your court date, you still get to go through and make your case. So for a country, you go look at the oath that you have to take to become a new citizen. If you go look at the oath that you have to swear to become a new citizen, count the number of times it references the law. And yet think of how few times it matters if you want to do it not the right way to become a citizen.
2: So when you look at uh, Iowa, what's uh, Trey Gowdy's takeaway from Iowa? The 30-point win by the president gets over 50% of the vote.
8: Honestly, Nick Saban. Nick Saban, when Alabama lost to Georgia Southern, a game they never, ever, ever, ever should have lost, he sat there and said, nothing we did worked. Nothing we did worked. And if you're a challenger to the former president, you sit there and think okay after january 6th it's over he won't be the nominee again after this indictment is over he won't be the nominee again after this after this nothing the challengers do resonates with at least with the iowa primary voters so the former president had an historic victory not just a victory an historic victory new hampshire different you know different state maybe closer But I can tell you right now, in South Carolina, Nikki Haley was viewed as a very, very good governor. Tim Scott is wildly popular in South Carolina. Donald Trump would have been the lead vote getter had Senator Scott stayed in the race. Nikki, if she's still in the race, Trump will win in both of their
2: home states. So I watched that, and yet other people watched Trump win, and they just could not give him credit for it, cut twelve.
0: Trump has in some ways become religion for a certain section of the American electorate. It is very much a group of people that, that find that Trump is in some ways the second coming. This is a state that is over-represented, overrepresented by white Christians. 49% is not great for him, actually. Trump swept Iowa. No, he did not. These are small numbers, and it's very important to remember that.
2: So uh, it was nonstop. I mean, I'm sure you didn't watch the coverage. You were on the air. But it was it was nonstop. They they cut away from his his victory speech. Uh, they want to immediately diminish because it, because twenty percent voted for DeSantis and eighteen percent voted for uh, Nikki Haley. What are your thoughts?
8: Um, oh, thought, I mean, I, it, people wonder why the media is viewed as a greater threat to democracy than either Donald yeah. Trump or Joe Biden. I mean, it's the it's the media. They just cannot. Here's where their time would be better spent, Brian, and I would encourage everyone to do this. I mean, I used to spend more time trying to figure out what the defense was going to be than what my prosecution was going to be. If these media folks would just try to understand what is the allure, what is the appeal, why are people drawn to Donald Trump? Even if you yourself are not drawn to him, why are others? And this second coming nonsense, I mean, anybody who's spent like, more than 15 seconds looking at the life of Jesus Christ, (laughs) there is no one else who compares to him. Right. So stop talking about anyone comparing to Jesus Christ, except maybe my wife. Right. Other than that, find the reason that he resonates with people. And I'll tell you this, Brian, I mean, I look, I guess I'm in that line of work now, but people in the media who treat him the way that that they did They cut away from what was a pretty conciliatory acceptance speech. So they cut away, and then they wonder why people are even more loyal to him. Despite indictments, despite things that you and I maybe wish he wouldn't say or would phrase differently, people remain loyal, and in part that is because they view the media as being so wildly unfair Mm -hmm. to him.
2: So right now, if you look at the, the latest battleground state, uh, Michigan, he was up by four. And now in Georgia, he's up by six. You know, he was winning the last Pennsylvania poll. and the national poll, he's up by two or three. And Joe Joe Biden's, uh, Joe Biden's approval ratings around 33 percent. Right now, in January, if uh, Trump holds on and gets his nomination and continues to do well, would you think he's more likely than not to become the next president?
8: I do because, I mean, I, Joe Biden is in a little bit of denial. I mean, I, if 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 he wildly historically unpopular and near as I can tell not doing a whole lot about it uh, and, and maybe he doesn't take it seriously. So the Democrats best hope is that he decides, hey, look, I've had enough. I'm going to go back to to Delaware or somebody else can run. Here's the other thing, Brian. And I hope he listens because I know. I I watch you. I I know your persuasive skills. If the Donald Trump who gave that conciliatory, inclusive acceptance speech is the one who hits the campaign trail, he has a chance to have a significant – I don't want to say Reagan-esque victory, but a significant victory. If he listens to those voices Mm -hmm. who tell him to punch down and wage petty fights, um, then it's a toss-up.
2: It really is. Uh, you know, just don't put your chin out. You know, you, know you can take the guy. Don't put your—don't let, let him land unnecessary punches, even if you think you can take it, because it works against you. And I think we both agree, if you've seen his team in action and you saw the results in Iowa, they're very organized now. They're, they're, they're a machine. The Trump people are a machine. They know their client. They don't hate him. There's no antics with Corey Lewandowski being replaced by Paul Manafort, being replaced by Kellyanne Conway, uh, and the carnival that existed— Behind the scenes, that stuff is done. Have you picked that up?
8: Yes. It is much tighter. Now, this is the next step. It it is almost as if winning in twenty sixteen caught them by surprise. I don't think they had a list of okay, who here's gonna be our Secretary of Treasury. Yeah. This is what we're gonna do on the FBI side. Look, you should always plan and prepare to win. So even right now, someone needs to be saying If we're trusted with the gears of government again, we're going to hit the ground running. I mean, it took too long to fill certain slots. He wasn't happy really with any of his AGs. He wasn't happy with his first Secretary of State. I think he liked Mike Pompeo very much, but you got to like prepare to win. Like, don't don't be surprised that you are that you're victorious. So yes, the campaign is better, but you got to come out of the blocks better. Yeah. There won't be this Russia cloud again because I think people are wise to the fact that someone and something's going to try to put a put a cloud over his second term if he is gifted with a second term. They'll try to do that too, but people are wise to it this time.
2: Trey, what about you going back if he asked you?
8: Do you believe in negative numbers?
2: <laughs> what do you mean?
8: There's less than 0? Less than uh, so, if you had a chance to wake up in the morning and know that you have as a colleague Brian Kilmeade and Bill Hemmer and Dana Perino and Martha McCall and Shannon Bream, or you got to go back and work with Ratcliffe or Pompeo, who would you pick?
2: Well, me, of course. I'm biased.
8: Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my pick. I, I am. I loved being a prosecutor. Yeah and I, and And I like the fact that Fox lets me talk for one hour, but usually no longer than one hour, one right. week, and I, you will not ever see me back in government. Right. Yet. Just a
2: rapid question. James Comer, is, it looks like he's doing a deal with Abby Lowell to bring Hunter Biden behind the scenes for a closed door deposition, and yes. he'll avoid uh, the he'll av- avoid uh, contempt of court, all right understood yes. yes but but can you cut a deal where he doesn't take the fifth? Because basically, no. if he goes back and takes the fifth, do, do, does Comer get anything out of it?
8: No. No, but he never was going to get it. I mean, he could have a public hearing and he'd take the fifth. I mean, he, the guy's under indictment. So I understand. Actually, actually, I had a long conversation with Jimmy Jordan about this in Iowa, the chairman of House Judiciary. I mean, it, 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 documents are better than drama. I mean, the public may want the drama and a contempt fight, but it doesn't get you any closer to what you want. He's under indictment. I mean, he's he's possibly going to prison. No lawyer in the world is going to let him talk. So I, I, I get why you want him to come. I get why you want to try. But he's going to invoke his fifth, and he has the right to do it. And look, Republicans do it all the time too. So it's not just a Democrat right. We got the right to remain silent too, and he's going to exercise that right.
2: Right, so what is the big deal then? I mean, then, I mean, if he was in a public testimony, he was prepared to answer those questions, I imagine. So you get him behind, take the fifth, and then you give him an option to go in front of the cameras.
8: I, I think Abby made look. I like Abby; he's a smart lawyer. I think it was a huge strategic mistake because if you talk, then you want. You remember Lois Lerner? She yeah. talked, and then we said, "Look, you waived your your right to you remain silent. You don't get to like." answer some questions but not others not in court you don't but this isn't court so there's no judge that's going to say okay hunter you can you can tell us why we're wrong here but 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 you can't invoke the fifth over here you don't get to pick and choose like which questions you want to answer not in court but but this ain't court there's no judge there's no jury it's just the court of public opinion Abby, like to me, tried to play politics when he needs to play defense attorney. His client's under indictment. Priority number one, don't go to federal prison.
2: Right. (laughs) Right. Forget about his dad's reelection. Trey Gowdy, we'll we'll, we'll look forward to your coverage as well as watching on Sunday night and hopefully see you in New Hampshire.
8: The great Brian me. Thank you. I always love talking to you.
2: Uh, Same here, Trey. And thanks for the great interview on the book. Back in a moment.
1: Learning something new every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: All right, we are back. Uh, Thanks so much for listening. I went a little bit long with Trey, but, man, I I mean, because I forget he's such a great lawyer, and there's so many cases to talk about. But I am fascinated with his political experience and what's going on. I mean, when you have a candidate that's 33 percent approval rating and you say that, well, he's going to win because he's going against Trump. You have a guy with a lot of passion, beating beating him head to head. And you have a candidate that can't do can't do interviews, can't do press conferences, is bad at rallies. That's why you're rolling out the governor of Minnesota, the governor of Illinois. That's why the governor of California and now campaign surrogates. Not off to a great start, I don't think. Brian Kilmeade.
1: From the Fox News radio studios in Midtown Manhattan, it's the fastest growing radio talk show. Brian Kilmeade.
2: So glad you're here. Brian Kilme, coming to you from Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world about, uh, well, now six days until New Hampshire. I'll be there. Happy to be there. I'll land on Sunday, and then I'll be there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. On Sunday night at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 uh, three in the afternoon, please uh, put on Fox Nation. I'll be streaming a great stage show talking about America uh, through my books and through the time. A patriotic day. From George Washington, Secret Six, to Thomas Jefferson, Tripoli Pirates, to Andrew Jackson, Miracle of New Orleans, to Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, uh, Fred, uh, President, Freedom Fighter, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln, and the and the uh, and their quest to save America's soul, and then Teddy and Booker T. Talking about all those books, having some fun on stage. Fox Station will stream it. Also, if you're in in the area. Anyone who goes gets a book and six free months of Fox Nation. And we're just getting close to selling out, so make sure we're there. Uh, Rich Lowry is going to be joining us, and then we'll take questions, by the way, on all about the election and everything. We'll be talking about that from the Republican perspective. I think there's a lot of intrigue in New Hampshire and Byron York standing by. Before we get to Byron, Big Three.
3: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three. Number three. First of all, as you noted, those bodies were already past the park when those border patrols showed up, number one. Number two, we have our military stationed along that area. Had anyone been struggling, they would have gone in to save them.
2: Uh, that is Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick trying to correct the record for people who think that the Texas National Guard let illegal immigrants drown in the Rio Grande and the Border Patrol is preventing from them being saved. That was a mistaken report. Not true. And there was a huge pushback, thankfully, from our great reporter, Bill Malusian, who had this elusive thing called facts. The border is broken. Texas is doing what's necessary. Pay attention, the rest of America. Number two.
4: One thing I say everywhere is that polls don't vote. Uh, voters do. And one thing that voters have done uh, since President Biden got into the arena uh, is vote for him. Uh, and that's why he was successful and was sent to the White House in 2020 with more votes than any president in modern day history.
2: Quentin Folk's special report last night representing Joe Biden. Hyden Biden finally emerging with a full schedule and more bad news in the polls as he's losing another battleground state as Joe Manchin queues up a possible third party run. We'll talk about it. Number one.
0: But here's where they're miscalculating. The Ramaswamy votes, which are about 5 6%, those go to Trump, which I believe will put him over the edge in New Hampshire.
2: All right, there you go. Kaylee McEnany, do or die for Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, where the state shapes up to have enough independent voters to balance out and jump the conservative base, perhaps. But again, she's not known as not being a conservative. And Governor DeSantis tries to survive to South Carolina. That goes all the way to February 24th. The former president sees an opportunity to clear the field with a big win in New Hampshire. And I think a double-digit win is going to be hard for Nikki Haley to continue because it would be embarrassing to get crushed in your home state. That's when my, I remember Marco Rubio dropped out then, if my memory serves me correct. Byron York joins us now, chief political correspondent for Washington Examiner, of course, and Fox News contributor. Hey, Byron, welcome back.
9: Thanks, Ryan. Good to be here.
2: Byron, I know uh, the Trump supporters want to say, let's clear the field. But if I'm Nikki Haley, I would not quit with New Hampshire here. Would you?
9: Of course not. I mean, it it looks like New Hampshire is her strongest place. Uh, Clearly, the, the, the electorate in New Hampshire, the Republican electorate in New Hampshire, is more, quote, moderate. It's the M word, more moderate than the Republican electorate in Iowa. And if you looked at the entrance polls uh, after the Iowa caucuses, uh, the one group where Haley just knocked it out of the park was with voters who call themselves moderates. She she won 63% of their votes. The problem was the moderates were only 9% of the total electorate. So the problem that she ran into in in uh, Iowa, and I think the problem she runs into in the larger Republican contest as a whole is that the group that she's really popular with is just not big enough to win an election. But in New Hampshire, they're as big as you can get in a Republican contest. So, of course, you're going to stay in. And and um, my guess is that um, uh, if she loses to President Trump but does better than she did in Iowa, she'll certainly want to go to New uh, to South Carolina where she was the governor.
2: I, I always see the American Research Group around, and they put out a poll, 600 likely New Hampshire Republican primary voters and it has a dead heat forty forty undecided nine DeSantis four Vivek Ramaswamy four. Now, logic would say that Ramaswamy's votes would go to Trump, but it does look like Christie's would go to Haley, even without the endorsement. Is that is that yeah. how you play it out?
9: Yeah. Well, first of all, I don't pay a lot of attention to the ARG polls. You'll see they're not in the Real Clear Politics average. They're not in the 538 average. They're not in okay. the the averages that, because um, they they seem to sh- to just have a completely different result. Um, but as far as where the the former candidate's support goes uh, in the Real Clear Politics average, I think Christie had about 11% in New Hampshire, yeah. which is not nothing. And you know those are the people who are really anti-Trump. So they're gonna go. Mostly to Nikki Haley, although it was interesting. Chris Christie himself, in an interview with Hugh Hewitt a couple of weeks ago when he was still a candidate, uh, said that his internal research showed that about 15% of his supporters, were he to drop out, would go to Donald Trump. So, I mean, you, you know, you can't make total assumptions about people. So, As far as the uh, Vivek Ramaswamy group is concerned, he had about 5%, I think. And um, just as most of Christie's would go to Haley, I think most of Ramaswamy's would go to Trump.
2: So right now, I guess she's just beginning to hit Trump. She's going to be spending 95000 a day hitting Trump. And I think you picked up how directly she went at him after yep. Iowa. It was very upbeat. Uh, so far, she's spent $22 million in broadcast advertising there. Uh, independents make up 343000 of all registered voters. So she's given it all. I mean, not only – she's very, a very good campaigner, I think. She's very upbeat, got a lot of energy, good message, very comfortable. So, I mean, she is making some gaffes, but when you talk a lot, that's going to happen. How do you assess her right now?
9: Well, she's really trying to walk a fine line about Trump. And, And everybody, all the candidates who are not Trump have had to do that. And uh, obviously, Chris Christie came out, you know, both barrels against Trump. And, and what good did that do? I mean, it just turns off a huge number of uh, Republican voters, including the ones who might be open to vo- be voting for somebody else, but believe Trump has been unfairly targeted uh, for for many years. So Haley's trying not to offend them, but she wanted, wants to make it clear it's time to move on from Trump. She's running. Uh, against Trump. On the other hand, with those moderates I was talking about, with her supporters, I talked to some in Iowa, they're frustrated because she's not going after Trump harder. So it's just, it's a really difficult um, balance to to keep. And I think in, in certainly in New Hampshire, you're going to see her going harder against Trump because mm-hmm. those so-called moderate voters there Want that more than the ones did in Iowa.
2: So I talked to Joe Manchin on Fox and Friends an hour ago. Uh, Here's a little I mean, I think my gut I've talked to him offline too. my gut is he's in Uh, and he says, I'll wait till after Super Tuesday. And he did a lot of talking to people. He sounds like a candidate and he comes out hard against the border. I think Republicans love that. Uh, He comes hot for oil and gas. I think Republicans would like that. And he says if Super Tuesday reveals that it's Trump Biden, I think he's in if they could get on 34 states. Here's a little of that interview. Cut 43
10: after Super Tuesday. We'll see what happens in New Hampshire. I was just up there last week. Great people. Uh, It's a bellwether state. I wish the Democrats had uh, had basically competed more in that area because there's more people who are no no party affiliation. More independents registered there than there are Democrats and Republicans. It kind of gives you a, right. a a feeling of where people are. So we got a good taste of that and understanding it. So I think after the uh, Super Tuesday, when it basically is pretty much cleared out, who's going to be the two? And if you're handicapping it and betting person right now, you would say that Joe Biden will be the nominee for the Democrats, and that Donald Trump will be. Then that's going to create some decisions have to be made and some options right. being available.
2: Your thoughts.
9: Well, the you know one interesting thing here is that the, the no labels nomination and uh, a lot of people like me have not taken no labels. We haven't taken no labels very seriously in the past, um, but it's it's a pretty valuable commodity because I believe no labels um, is already on the ballot in probably a dozen states, which is not really easy to do. You know, it was news the other day. When um, Robert Kennedy Jr. became, uh, got on the ballot in Utah, his first state to get on the ballot. So uh, the, the no labels nomination is sort of there waiting to be taken. And, you know, you hear the co-founder, Joe Lieberman, and others say, well, they'll have to make a decision later on whether they're really going to run a candidate. But it's out there. And um, I think it would be very, very tempting for somebody like Joe Manchin. I mean, what, what has he got? To lose, this would, you know, he could possibly be a real factor in this race.
2: You know, I talk to more people who don't do what we do, uh, and they they just, they are tired of the fighting. And and they want to see something get done that aren't involved in politics, that have a million things going on, but, you know, care about the country. And the one thing about Joe Manchin, he comes up very reasonable, and he has an idea about everything. If you ask him about the budget, he won't go, I'm not good at that. If you ask him about defense, he goes, who knows? No, no, he... He's kind of clued in on, on everything. Can I run a state? Yeah, you know, am I am I green oriented? Uh, a little bit, but I'm, I'm from a I'm from a fossil fuel state. We got to do everything. So, but he thinks out. He thinks about all this stuff, and he's conversational. Yeah. Can you imagine yeah. him on the stage? Do you remember Ross Perot on the stage with Bush and Clinton?
9: <laughs> yes. Well, he was he was a character in a way that Joe Manchin is not a character.
2: Would he be able to take substantive issues and turn around? Oh, and go, yeah. You didn't answer the question. Oh,
9: oh, certainly. Joe, Joe Manchin is is he's been the governor of West Virginia. Yeah. He's been a senator for a long time. Uh, he's a, he's a very very qualified guy, and he would be certainly qualified to talk about um, all of these things. Would he, you know? Would he catch fire with people? I I believe off the top of my head, Ross Perot got nineteen percent of the popular vote um, when he ran against um, George H. W. Bush uh and and bill clinton but he didn't get anything he got zero electoral votes but still you know he was a factor
2: uh, no doubt about it so when you look at this race this is the other thing that i picked up byron is after trump won and that town hall had two things the town hall that brett and martha did he was kind of reflective and he was yeah. he was thoughtful and the victory speech he didn't he didn't know how to say it but he goes Ronnie and Nikki, uh, they had a good time together. I mean, like, I, he was trying to say together. something, but he didn't, he didn't go, as, as Brett pointed out, he didn't say bird brain and say de- desanctimonious. So I'm like, do you think there's something going on there that, that he sat down with Susan Wiles and, and said, you know, what is my plan to win? And does that trump all risks to, to take this unorthodox approach that got him here?
9: Well, I'm, I was of the belief that, that this really was a pivot to the general election. Um, the, the, the town hall he did with Brett and Martha was really interesting. And, uh, for example, one of the things he talked about, which really upset some of his most um, uh, pro-life supporters, was his his view on, on abortion, which is that you simply have to have compromises on uh, issues like um, uh, time and viability and things like that. Um, it was clearly a general election answer. I mean, it was not an Iowa caucuses answer, and he goes on on to win the Iowa caucuses by more than fifty percent. So he was he, he was clearly shifting to a, a general election. Now, I feel in New Hampshire, you know, he has spent Trump has spent so many months trying to destroy Ron DeSantis. Um, in New Hampshire, I think he thinks, well, I got six days to destroy Nikki Haley. I think you'll see, you know, him being really, really attacking Haley a good bit. But um, in ter- when he gets a big national forum, like, on you know, you get an hour, an hour and a half on Fox News, I mean, wow, that's a huge national forum. And he really moved uh, toward a general election stance.
2: Um, here he is yesterday talking about Nikki Haley. Cut one.
5: And now for sort of the opposite, in my opinion. Uh, as you know, Nikki Haley in particular is counting on the democrats and liberals to infiltrate your republican primary you know that
2: and that's what he's going to be saying but he did yeah. call nikki Haley, uh, you know so it's kind of interesting yeah, what about DeSantis? before i let you go byron you know we saw that he took the town hall yesterday he was willing to yeah. debate he's going with to south carolina then new hampshire but he's in single digits in new hampshire never thought for some reason never tried to tried to win there so where, where what's his pathway
9: You know, I spent some time on the plane yesterday reading um, um, Ron DeSantis' campaign obituaries, which I'm sure they're, you know, completely unhappy with. I mean, the problem for DeSantis is is just kind of imagine a pretty good scenario from here on. He he uh, he escaped death in Iowa. He beats Nikki Haley in Iowa, so that's great. He goes to New Hampshire. You know, very unlikely he's going to beat Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, but it's really unlikely he's going to beat Donald Trump in New Hampshire. And then they all go to South Carolina. And, you know, most people believe that Nikki Haley cannot beat Trump in her home state, that Trump is going to win South Carolina, which means, of course, DeSantis would lose again. So what you would have is the DeSantis campaign losing to Trump in Iowa, losing to Trump in New Hampshire. Losing to Trump in um, South Carolina. Now, there's a word for somebody who wins the uh, Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina contest in the Republican Party, and that's the winner. Uh, and if you lose all of those three things, that's you know it's over. So it's it's he has a really really difficult scenario if he doesn't win somewhere.
2: And it's all about if it's if it's clear he's not going to win, and he doesn't want to create any bill like huge bills in debt. So how you lose depends on really how you lose really can cue up you, really can define your future. And the right way to lose might be now, might be, you know, I'm going to get out now is what you're saying. Well, I mean,
9: he's in it for New Hampshire, I think. Um, And I, I listen, I think he can stay in through New Hampshire and I think he can stay in through South Carolina. Um, and then it, it, if he if he does if Trump wins all of those that is DeSantis does not win any of them, uh, you know it's it's time to go and I yeah. think he you will probably make a graceful departure.
2: All right, uh, Byron York, thanks so much for this great appearance. Appreciate it. it's going to be you, fun. Brian. I will see you in New Hampshire. All right, uh, when we come back, your calls one eight six six four zero eight seven six six nine, and then Rich Lowry at the bottom of the hour. We'll go inside the numbers. Don't move
1: coming to you on a need to know basis because man do you need to know it's brian kilmeade The more you
2: listen, the more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade. One of the leaders of the president's re-election committee and said Donald Trump did nothing at the border and the border's better under Joe Biden. Do you think that's a correct assessment? That is absolutely false. They are
10: living in la-la land. It's a disaster. And they know it's a disaster. So let's fix it.
2: That is Joe Manchin answering the question for that President Biden operative. And you'll hear it. I'm going to play it. Next to Rich Lowry, who came on last night. Now you got to go to bat for your client, but if you going to bat for President Biden is not saying that Donald Trump did nothing at the border, and that Joe Biden would have done everything, except for the fact that Congress won't do anything. He had this great plan when he controlled Congress, his party controlled Congress, the Senate and the House. He uh, brags that he got infrastructure. Bad, they got the rescue package. Bragged that he got the uh, the ridiculous Inflation Reduction Act and didn't do anything about immigration. The wall is not being built. It's being sold off pennies on the dollar. Border Patrol has not been funded. ICE has been diminished. You have sanctuary cities in all these democratic states. You have thousands here illegally, millions here illegally, and you say Trump didn't do anything? That is not an effective argument.
1: If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
7: But, you know, their analysis is so empty-headed. They assume that the 49% who did not vote for Donald Trump in Iowa will vote for somebody else. And that's just not the case. As we just pointed out, Vivek's followers are going to vote for Donald Trump significant portion of Ron DeSantis's followers, the majority, are going to vote for Donald Trump. In fact, one of the secrets of New Hampshire is Nikki Haley says it's a two-person race. She actually wants it to be a three-person race because if DeSantis dropped out, more than half his voters would go to
2: Donald Trump. That's interesting, and I think we kind of agree on that because DeSantis voters and Trump profile the same. And Chris Christie, although uh, Byron York said that Chris Christie has come out on another channel and said that a lot of my supporters – would go to Donald Trump too. Rich Lowry joins us now, editor of Nash Review, author of The Case for Nationalism. Rich, welcome back. What do you think about? Do you think Nikki Haley wants DeSantis to stay in?
11: I think a zombie DeSantis helps her in in New Hampshire for exactly the reason that Byr- Byron points out that you know it's not DeSantis is not a high number in, in New Hampshire now. It's you know five, four to eight percent depending on the poll, but you know more of that's going to go to Trump than it's going to go to her. So I, 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 I don't think she really needs DeSantis to, to drop out It's not like Christie You know, a lot of that Christie vote was going to her It's not the same thing uh, with DeSantis All that said, you know, I think she has a shot in New Hampshire There's no Democratic race You know, this write-in campaign is probably not going to excite people And there are a lot of independents up there And they all if they all decide to vote in the Republican primary She possibly could catch Trump I still don't see any path for her after that Even if she wins New Hampshire, but I think New Hampshire is probably the closest, maybe the closest we see to competitive uh, state in this this whole contest.
2: I, I think it's going to be exciting because there's no Democratic primary. I mean, these people yep. are bored; they want to be take place in the process. Very patriotic state. Almost everybody serves, doing something. Uh, they're voting all the time. The governor's up every two years, so uh, there's 1.4 million I think in the entire state, and we'll see. 343,000 are listed as independent. So, how do you think that plays out and if you 're Trump, do you moderate your message or just go after haley
11: uh, i think he he'll, he'll uh, you know he 'll be Trump and he 'll go after haley and you know i I think he should be paying a lot of attention to this state and be doing a a lot of rallies the way he did, you know, at the end in Iowa. And, you know, it depends on that. We talked about this, I think, a week ago or so. It depends on what poll you look at, this ARG outfit, which is not the most prestigious outfit, but does a lot of New Hampshire polling. They have a tide now, 40-40 Trump-Haley. But there are polls just a week ago showing Trump with a 20-point lead. So kind of um, pick what you believe. But I I, I think she's, she's rising there. Generally, I believe in momentum, you know, and the polls generally don't catch all the momentum right at the end. If you if you keep rising, so I think she has, you know, she has a, a shot of uh, catching them there.
2: So, what do you think of the Iowa? How do you categorize the Iowa victory? The turnout's low, but the lead and the win was big.
11: Oh, it was a wipeout. You know, it wasn't, wasn't even a, a race. I mean, it's not even worth talking about at a certain level. And DeSantis banked everything there. There's no other state that's going to be better for him. There's no other state where he's going to spend more time, obviously. There's no other state where he's going to get the uh, popular incumbent governor to endorse him, a major conservative uh, leader um, uh, to to endorse him, like the Social Act of Vanderplant. Sorry, I was forgetting forgetting his name. Uh, and, and have his robust an infrastructure, and he came up with 21 percent of the vote. So, look, he's given it his all I think he's a great governor I think he's a lot, a lot to offer But it's impossible to see what the path is And apparently their idea is that They want Nikki Haley to underperform in New Hampshire And then somehow, you know, some magic will happen For DeSantis in South Carolina But I, I don't see that, you know you, you finish second in the state, you banked everything on And then you finish third, a distant third in New Hampshire And then you're going to go on to, to win in South Carolina Where you're currently at like 10 or 11 points Doesn't make any sense
2: so so play this out. Uh, if you are Ron DeSantis, what's the best scenario, knowing you're not even 50? You're going to probably finish strong in Florida with two more years and be in front, uh, front and center. How do you finish in order to have, uh, a pres- have your presidential ambitions not end with this run?
11: I, I think you, you get out soon uh, to spare yourself further embarrassment. You concentrate on being a good governor. Of Florida, and given where the party is, you endorse Trump sooner rather than later, and try to heal that relationship and, and heal, uh, you know. Any, I, I hear a lot from from folks in Florida; they're disappointed in Desantis. They don't think he should have done it, you know, and they they love the guy, but they think you know it wasn't his turn. It was a mistake. So you got to heal the relationship with those people, and then see, you know, who knows what 2028 looks like. But I just I think four years from now is so long. We might have another. President Trump, we might have a vice president then who would be the heir apparent. We'll certainly have a vice president pick who will get a, a step ahead. So I'm just doubtful that Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley will loom as large in 28 as they, they have this year.
2: So yesterday we are seeing a lot of surrogates for the president. He doesn't do much these days. You know, he was at Delaware Vacation, Camp David three times. He was uh, in the Caribbean, the Virgin Islands, from the 27th to the 2nd. Secretary of Defense is not calling in and keeping in touch with him. I'm not even exaggerating. It's not happening. He didn't know up until two days before it became public that he, his Secretary of Defense even had cancer. So we're seeing these myriad of hotspots blow up and not be solved. The Houthi rebels are now back on the terror uh, the terror list. It shows a total reversal of everything. The Netanyahu is not listening to him. Uh, that may or may not uh, make his base happy or not. They don't seem. So his approval rings at 33%. But the, probably where he's he's grading the lowest is on the border. Yeah. And listen to what his spokesperson said yesterday. Listen to this. You're not going to believe it. Cut 18.
4: Donald Trump had four years uh, to do something on the border, um, and he did nothing. Um, and then right now, what we have, uh, in fact, Donald Trump put uh, immigrants in cages. He separated families, worked at the <laughs> president, Joe Biden, has gotten to work, okay, still putting those families back together. But when it comes to on, immigration- well, wait a second. You're, you're not saying that the,
7: the situation in immigration and the border is better under the Biden administration than it is under the Trump administration? Is that what you're saying?
4: What I'm saying to you is that President Biden took office, uh, sent a comprehensive immigration reform package to Congress. They have refused to pass it or do anything on it.
2: Okay. Does he know he sent it to a Democratic Congress? Does, yeah, do, you I mean, know,
11: would it, is that a farce? it's laughable, it's laughable. And and this is, you know, if Biden loses to Trump, this will be a big reason why. And, you know, Trump overpromises a lot, right? He's, he's not going to solve the Ukraine conflict in 24 hours, but he's going to solve this in 24 hours, or, or at least make it better, because as soon as he's inaugurated, every migrant will be afraid of coming. And, you know, it'll go to zero for like the first two or three months, and then it'll pick up again. And then he needs to make sure he, he gets everything back in place to, to deter over the long term. But this is just an enormous benefit to To Donald Trump. It's it's insane, you know, and and John Fetterman at least gets it. You need to acknowledge the problem. You know, I don't think Fetterman has the policy solutions, but this is where Biden should be triangulating. He should say, you know what, I, I tried a different approach. I wanted to be more humane. It hasn't worked, you know, and I'm appointing you know so, some some republican who would take the job to to head my commission on how to control the border and just totally reverse course but he he won't do that you know he's scared of a, of of his left and and this this is just it's it's you're right it's the biggest vulnerability so there's
2: a story today by peter baker in the new york times and i think the headline says it for biden another trump nomination presents opportunity and great risk and there's a lot of trump of uh, biden officials that don't want to see trump in the general and I have a different view, and I'll be honest. Since 2022, I thought this is done. If he runs, it's going to just fracture the party. He can't win the general. I've definitely come around on this. I've seen enough polls for too long and seen such a terrible performance and results from this administration. And a candidate epically struggling the way Joe Biden is. I've come around on that. I do believe he can he can win, especially with the demeanor he had uh, after his victory speech. What about Rich Lowry?
11: Yeah, I, I you know, I like nice Trump. I, I, I uh he's he's entertaining regardless, but when, when he's when he's trying to be nice like he was the other night, I he's you know, he's very appealing, very charming. Um, that's not, you know, that it's, it's a rarity. Uh, he, he's not going to stay like that. But, yeah, he could definitely win. I think it's like a 50-50 proposition probably. My gut is, if I had to guess now, is that he does win. I just think Biden is so feeble. And some of these polling results on, you know, wh- who do you expect to, to uh, uh, increase your personal finances, boost your personal finances, Trump or Biden? <laughs> you know, it's Trump winning by double digits? He's winning by double digits on the economy, on foreign affairs, on a bunch of other stuff. So, yeah, you know, are they going to uh, work him over? Are they going to try to convict him of a felony? I don't know know whether the timing is going to work out for them, but they certainly want to make it work. Yeah, maybe. Will that hurt Trump? You know, it's not going to help, uh, but it's kind of unpredictable. So I I think Trump's a risky choice. I, I would go with someone else just on sheer electoral terms, but the party isn't. Um, you know, they're going for Trump. They think he can win again. The polling shows he can. So we'll see. It's going to be a fascinating 10 months.
2: Do you believe that there's an ultimate plan in place not to cheat, but to take him apart that uh, that is beyond our comprehension? I mean, the Zuckerbucks and the things they did in those different states, the riots that were planned, if Trump had won last time, mm-hmm. the boarding up a winner. Do you believe there's something there that we're not seeing yet?
11: I think the cheating—we're seeing the cheating—the cheating is distorting the justice um, system to engage in either totally ridiculous or at least dubious indictments Of Trump, timed in sheer political terms to try to convict him before the election. There's no way, you know. As as a CNN analyst was pointing out the other day, some of these routine January 6 cases have taken longer from indictment to trial than Jack Smith wants to do on the January 6 case. Why is that? You know, what's the terrible rush? Now, part of it, obviously, he doesn't want. um, If Trump gets elected again, Trump's going to squash the case. But it's also it's it's nakedly political. You know, the Supreme Court doesn't need, need to decide whether there's criminal immunity for a former president tomorrow, right? You know, through all all our history, this hasn't been decided. And all of a sudden, it has to be decided in weeks. You know, it's it's all political. And if Trump doesn't win, I think this will be the main thing he's going to point to, uh, especially if he's convicted, and he'll have a point. You know, this is not the way the system should work.
2: It will be his last election regardless. But I would say this. The Georgia case is beginning to be exposed in yeah. a way I never thought possible. I couldn't think a prosecutor would be that stupid to hire a guy he's, uh, he's dating and then give him an, a ridiculous amount of money. The guy only does accident cases and divorces. And then knowing that everyone's accusing him, including Donald Trump, of colluding with the White House, and he turns out to bill for two visits to the White House mm-hmm. to meet with yep. their justice officials – Come on. Is this yeah, unbelievable I mean, we, to you? We've
11: said uh, since uh, 2015 or 16, you know, Trump is lucky, fortunate in his enemies. And it's just so very often true. I mean, this is like a parody. You couldn't, couldn't write a script that would be more discrediting of Trump's uh, an, an enemies down there in Georgia. So,
2: yeah, we'll see what happens because that's the case that he would not be able to uh, yeah, actually pardon, himself. Yeah, pardon yeah. himself.
11: Or squash, yeah.
2: All right, Rich, so finally your prediction six days from now when the results come in on New Hampshire.
11: Uh, I, I think maybe Nikki comes up short. Um,
2: five points?
11: I, I, yeah, I think, you know, I'd say five points or less. And maybe she wins. Maybe she wins. But if I had to guess right now, I think uh, Trump 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 holds on. But it's a close and interesting race and, and probably the last one in this cycle, in this primary cycle.
2: Rich Lowry, it's been exciting. Thanks so much, Rich. Thanks, Brian. And I, I just love that every time I talk to somebody who experiences Rich Lowry or Victor Davis Hanson or Britt Hume, we can all agree, despite all your years of experience, we've never seen anything like this. You are listening to The Brian Kilmeade Show. Your chance uh, to be uh, on national radio, one 866 408
1: Giving you everything you need to know. You're with Brian Kilmeade. Radio that makes you think. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
7: Quint, Quint, he, sw- he switched Remain in issue. Mexico. Remain in Mexico policy, he flipped. Uh, release, catch and release, he flipped. Uh, he changed Donald, the border Donald Trump situation.
4: Up, Donald Trump rounded up immigrants, separated families, and put them in cages. That's not how we treat there human There are beings. more kids Biden, in President custody Biden. under the
7: Biden administration than there were under the Trump administration.
4: Do you president know
7: that? Biden. And so, listen, you have to concede that immigration is a vulnerability for the Biden campaign. Can't you concede look,
4: that? What, look, what we concede is that President Biden is working on this issue and that Republicans in the House are playing political games and doing Donald Trump's bidding so that no real results get done. Uh, and it's, in fact, why they're the least effective House uh, since the Great Depression, because they're playing political games instead of trying to get real results done and All working right. with this president for the American people.
2: Uh, Quinton Folks, uh, representing the Biden the Biden campaign. Real weak, really, really, really weak, unbelievably weak and ridiculous. And and there were a bunch of fairy tales in that. Nobody understands what he was talking about. Brett Baer, you want to cultivate these relationships to make sure both sides get on special report. You don't want to have to come down on the guy. But if you say something subtly, a point of view... You could say, all right, that's his point of view. What are you going to do? I'm not going to argue for the other campaign. But when you say something just blatantly false about the number one issue for Iowa voters in almost every Republican, one or two, after the economy, before the economy, the collapse of the border. Why? Sixty percent of those millions that have come through are going to be on social services, some type of social services, all those social services that are already overtaxed right now. And speaking of overtaxed, most of the states, blue states, feel remarkably overtaxed. I'll give you an example. In New York, they've lost, uh, they've lost thousands of people. They lost 4,000 people who make over $500,000 uh, over the last year. Why would that be, and what's the big deal? Well, when you make $500,000, you give up about 48% of it to various taxes, state, city, federal government. That's the money that funds all these social programs. I love working class people, middle class people, but those people that vilify most are the most successful in our country. They get taxed the most. Even if they go into certain funds that allows those taxes, they're delayed you know, until the investment gets cashed in. And that's what we're looking at. And it's different if, well, you know what, uh, there's people, there's homeless people, and there's people that need Medicaid, and there's people that need uh, psychological work, and there's people that are going to need Medicare and Social Security, as opposed to 7 million people, gotaways, and people who just crossed, who are going to wait for their day in court, really don't belong here. And we're providing services for them, 60, 60%, let alone the schooling. Put them in school. They're paying taxes? Of course they're not paying taxes. They're staying at Floyd-Bennett Field in the middle of nowhere. you paying taxes? Of course not. you putting people in shelters, putting them in hotels, not paying taxes. All it is is cost. So, And then when you make up stories that the Republican House is to blame for the problems at the border and that Donald Trump didn't do anything and put children in cages, please don't waste my time. It's just incredible. Uh, no one's going to get. Uh, I don't think people are going to get uh, going to buy that. I was a little shocked by this. So I want to share this with you. This guy, Sir Richard Dearlove of Sky News, uh, was on Sky News yesterday, former head of the MI6, British intelligence agencies. Here's what he said: he fears about Trump becoming president. Cut fifteen.
5: I'm not a politician. You have to add a political threat, which I'm worried about, which is Trump's. I thought, thought that uh, re-election, I, I, which I, I think for the UK's. National security is problematic because if Trump, as it were, acts hastily and damages the Atlantic alliance, that is a big deal for the UK. We've put all our eggs in defence terms in the NATO basket. Mm -hmm. If Trump really is serious about, as it were, changing the balance. I mean the the, the the American nuclear umbrella for Europe is in my view essential to Europe's security and defense. Okay.
2: Uh, Dr. Richard Breedlaw, dear love, I think you should watch Trump over the previous four years. He made everyone pay their two percent. Yeah, he threatens, he negotiates. We're not leaving NATO. But I mean that is part of the conventional wisdom where people just make lazy statements like that. Brian show me check.
1: top Fox News headquarters in New York City. Always seeking solutions, never sowing division. It's Brian Kilmead.
2: Brian Kilmead here coming to you from Midtown Manhattan. Heard around the country, around the world. I'm so glad you're here at these consequential, I think, exciting times. I've been waiting so long to get some results. We got them out of Iowa. Now we only have to wait six days uh, to get something out of New Hampshire. We'll be there Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday I'll uh, bring you everything happening there, all the Fox experts and uh as well as the candidates. And I'm gonna to try to get out there with Trump too. Doug Collins is in studio, former ranking member of the US House Judiciary Committee, author of the clock and the calendar. Martha McCallum at the bottom of the hour too will be joining us. Uh Doug, are you gonna be outnumbered today? No, it was on yesterday. Oh okay. Yeah. And now you were on Foxy Friend First today. Yeah, we well, was
12: Fox Friend first doing other things today.
2: All right, so I, I gotta bring you to a couple of things. And I don't know if do we actually have this sound, uh Pete? of the uh, Austin secretary calling in to keep uh, the ambulance uh, the ambulance quiet. I don't know if we have that. We don't have that. So yeah. what happened is we said for the longest time, how did Austin go from sneaking into the doctors, uh, finding he has prostate cancer, then has to be rushed to their emergency. Then we find out it's an ambulance. And then we find out that he had a request to make it a subtle appearance and subtle exit. You know where the request came from? His staffer. Yeah. That means his staffer Doug Collins mm-hmm. knew that his that his boss was going to be indisposed in an emergency situation. Right. I know he's staffer to a four star <laughs> general, but in what in what planet yeah. does that staffer not feel obligated to inform somebody that nobody is running the Pentagon?
12: Yeah, and let's make it clear: former four star general, he's now the civilian Secretary of Defense. And this has to be clear that he is in that, you know, nuclear train. He's in everything that we have because we have a civilian control of our military. That is upmost, yeah, he has a special
2: dispensation
12: to get there. So he's a civilian control. But here's I listened to the tape this morning and it's in they redacted the age name. I can understand that. But if you listen to the tape, they redacted the sec, defense name. You don't have to. I mean, why? Are we, we know who this is, but it brings up a, another occasion because everybody's saying, well, it's not that big a deal. He was just hurting. Remember, I don't know if you heard this a couple of days ago. Well, he was just having pain and he went to get it checked out. Do you call an ambulance for someone who's had surgery to take them to the to the hospital if it's just a minor? I don't feel good in my in my. No, and there's and a real there problem for, and there. Stay there for two yeah, weeks. There's a real problem
2: there. So let's hear it.
0: Fairfax County nine one one. Where is your emergency? Uh,
2: yes, ma'am. It, it, so my name is and I work for
8: and I am requesting an ambulance to be taken. Can I can I ask, can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? We're um, trying to mm-hmm.
12: remain a, a little subtle. Remain a little subtle. Give me a break. You know, here, here's the deal. Uh, now, there's times that people do call on and they say, look, I've had a fall. You don't need to come, lights and sirens, protect yourself. And, I, and that's, a, that's a safety issue for the... But, I don't really mind but, that. But, but I don't, but I don't, I don't mind, mind that I, at all. But the question here is, is how... I mean, maybe it's just a little bit odd to think here you're having the Secretary of Defense, who has a security detail That's with right. him all times, and they're calling civilian nine one one, the local nine one one, to put him in an ambulance to take him to the hospital, and nobody flags that. Where's the security? Where's the security detail log on this?
2: Oh, uh, do they have one? I'm sure they do. Okay, so at one point, if you're a junior staffer, let's say mm-hmm. lead assistant. At what point do you just say, you know, do you know the do you realize the deputy is in Puerto Rico you realize the chief of staff has got the flu? Nobody know nobody's running the Pentagon. Right. And do not you think we should call the president? And I I know it, Doug, you have (laughs) staff. Right? So you have staff, but you were never running the Pentagon. No. So at one I understand privacy, but just say, listen, the President the the Secretary of Defense is down. Yep. Uh, he And we can't get a hold of the deputy. We can't get a hold of the chief of staff. I need somebody to run the Pentagon. Let's say there's a nuclear attack. Yep. The, as Michael yep. Walt said, you got 15 minutes.
12: Yep. Here's the problem. That didn't come from him. He was told not to say it. Let's just be honest. The, the, uh, a staffer is not going to make a decision of that magnitude without Austin telling him, you will not tell him. You will not tell him. You don't say anything. We're going to get this taken care of. I'll be okay. You don't say anything. I'll ha- either I'll handle it or you just do what I need you to do.
2: But if you're a staffer, do you say I'm sorry? Uh, I have an obligation to the country. There's nobody. There's nobody running our military. Yeah. Or am I over? I mean, come on. Look what's happening in the Middle East. Yeah. It is literally on fire. We had no permission. We could only knock down the Houthi rockets at that point. Mm-hmm. We couldn't get the shooter. Right. So at that point, if if they hit a civilian vessel, uh, Mr. Secretary, if they hit a civilian vessel, I, I'm not going to give the order. Who The, the president yep. should know.
12: Yeah. Well, and again, it just goes shows right now that there's a there's – So a you very, don't
2: fault the assistant?
12: I do, to. I mean, you do to a point, but you're asking an assistant, and I don't know who this assistant is. Don't know if it was a personal aide. I don't know who – you know, you're asking them to all of a sudden take on a superhero kind of role and say, you know, Secretary of Defense, you are the Secretary of Defense. I'm just your – but I'm going to overrule you. You told me not to. But I'm going to go tell these other people. He may not have had, and again, this may be an aide also, because I think it's, I don't know what time this was, maybe an aide who didn't have the other contacts in the sense of saying, I can pick up the phone and call the deputy chief or the chief. You would think they would, and I'm not trying to make excuses here, but it just tells me that this second defense, that Lloyd Austin said, we need to get to the hospital, don't say a word, it'll be okay.
2: You're an attorney. So I want to bring you to the Georgia case. I know people okay. at home get uh, get kind of mixed up with all of them, and I do too. Yeah. But the Georgia case is the only state case. And yes. what they're saying is that he tried to pressure your attorney general mm-hmm. to change the election results and get phony electors in? Secretary say, yeah. Secretary of My bad. Who's a Republican? And they got phone, cords and the, the phone calls and there's a pushback in there. But instead of just charging Trump, they charged 17 people. So it's a RICO conspiracy yep. case brought on by a Fannie Willis, who's a Fulton County district attorney. It was a, it's alleged and not denied that Mike Towers, one of the people caught up in the 17, uh, former Trump official, said uh, the DA is having a sexual relationship. With a special prosecutor who is picked out of nowhere, not fully screened, with, with experience in divorce and accidents, and given a huge salary of at least a million dollars, six hundred thousand and up to a million dollars that he's built the city and state for, where and and together, he has also met with the White House twice. So, your reaction legally to what changes about the Trump case? Because Trump is not close on to this yet; he's observing this,
12: right? And probably needs to because this is a step out. Now, first off, let's take this as, as it stands. This is a what's mo-
2: salacious and what matters,
12: right? What's well, salacious and what matters? The first part is salacious in the sense that the allegations have been made. But again, the attorney, she when she filed this this motion, you know, to basically get rid of the district or get rid of the case because of these conflicts of interest. She took her whole bar license and career basically in her hands by accusing the DA and accusing this of actually being slacious, Because if she's wrong, you know that, that's a, a problem that could could cost her her law career. So first off, this is a person who has to have actually have had, the, the, as we call it, the receipts. She's got to have the knowledge that this is actually happening. This is actually going on now. Fonnie Willis actually went into a pulpit on Sunday morning and said, you know, all of us, you know, black women need to be given forgiveness. Fact, and let's hear this. Yeah. You're not going
2: to believe this. Yeah. So we haven't heard her speak publicly. So she goes to a black church. Come 45.
6: We are at a time in history when you can no longer sit back and just let
4: other folks do. You cannot expect black women to be perfect and save the world. The
6: Lord is completing us. We are not perfect. We need your prayers.
4: We need to be allowed to stumble. We need grace. With that kind of support, we will move mountains and do Jesus' will.
6: Stumbling all
13: the
2: way. All right, case closed. That was a good explanation. You can't expect black women to be perfect.
12: Yeah, I love that. you got to let us stumble. Okay, so if I know you're doing wrong, I mean, let's go to I mean, – be a chaplain and a pastor. For the scripture is also very clear that if you see somebody in the wrong, you're to go in private and to confront them and to make them change their ways in hopes that they do. And if they don't, then there's a whole issue. Look, she's she's just mangling this for her own good. But back to the part. They prove this, then the judge uh, is going to not take this. So that's the big part. The other part was the one that you sort of read there quickly at the end. This Nathan Wade, who is a special prosecutor, met at the White House for eight hours twice in 2022. Build
2: for it. Build for it. We got Billed the invoices. Built there twice. Now, what's significant about that?
12: Because who has always said they had nothing to do with these cases? Everybody. The Biden administration. The yeah. Biden
2: administration. The Biden
12: administration has always said, we've got nothing to do with it. Somebody did. Somebody in the Biden White House did. And Biden keeps saying, we've had nothing to do with it. Jean-Pierre says it all the time. We didn't do this. Jack Smith it. But now you have proof. You have White ex- House attorneys. White House attorneys, you have proof that a special prosecutor from Georgia was in the White House discussing these cases. Also, let's take it back a step further. You have the January 6th chairman um, who willingly – I still don't understand how he's not being held ethically accountable for this in the House, if not other – is destroyed documents, destroyed uh, transcripts from the January 6th committee hearings and not passed those along, which they should have kept as a committee of the House – they then also said that they gave testi- they gave some of the deposition testimony to Jack Smith and they gave it to the Fulton County DA. All of this is coming together now at a time in which you have a case that is that many look at as weak to start with, and we've talked about this before. It's not a cut and dried case by any means. I mean, the RICO just simply says we can charge you with whatever we want to charge you. But remember, Nathan Wade, also this one who is alleged to be the paramour here of Fonnie Willis, had never done a, a prosecuted a felony case. This is one of the most complicated felony cases.
2: So, if you're a judge and this proves out like we're saying, and it's not been denied or pushed back on, right? No, not yet. So, what does it do to the case? Could she get kicked out of this case? I think she could.
12: Well, look, the the previous judge who was overseeing this, McBurney, who is the chief judge of the the Fulton County uh, Circuit down there, actually kicked her or or allowed the uh, indictment for Burt Jones, who is lieutenant governor, out because Fonnie Willis. Had a relationship with the uh, staffer, one of her staffers or something, with the guy who was running against Burt Jones in the race in 2022. And she held a fundraiser for this D- Democrat Attorney General candidate. The judge went off and said, This is optics are horrific here. This is terrible. And he kicked the case and said, You can't bring any charges against. Uh, Burt Jones, and you can't bring him in at all. Now, that's been kicked to a prosecuting counsel in Georgia, and they're going to decide what they're going to do with that. So she's already had issues of conflict in this in which the judge said, one, one judge said, you're not going to do this. So this new judge, if you've watched him at all, He's a young judge. He's 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 already questioned this case many times in the sense of I did watch him. He seems yeah.
2: pretty pretty loquacious, yeah. conversational, and but very
12: sharp. Because he, he keeps saying, "How are you going to do this with with fifteen people?" He said, "I don't understand how we're going to." He said, "I don't see how you we don't have a physical ability to do this." And he he's asked these questions, very good questions. He's been fair to both sides. It seems like in the in the in the uh, briefings and in the motion cases, he's kept it moving. This could be a real problem, and you know, right now I'll just say this because these will be televised. When that motion hearing comes up, get the popcorn because that's going to be an interesting one to hear.
2: What, what, what kind of timing were you on with the Georgia case? Um,
12: they're still saying March, but nobody, I think, actually believes that. And especially with all because they just got through really filing a lot of the uh, motions for the case, and Didn't so they a lot still of them cut deals already. Is uh, it three, Whitney or Whitney three or four or so at this point?
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of it is frustrating because some of them don't want to cut deals. It's just so expensive. Yeah. It destroys your career. Then you got to write used checks in order to defend, and you're not guaranteed to win. You don't know. In the Fulton County, you do probably logically don't feel great about your prospects. Right. And keep in mind, too, if you want to know why Trump has a mugshot, it's this case. It yeah, very much so. And. And also, let
12: me take it out back to something else, and for folks who are listening across the country, the district attorney and the sheriff in, in towns actually, the, they yeah. work together because you have the Fulton County Jail, which is where, uh, you know, one of the – they have a horrific problem right now with deaths in Fulton County custody. This is under the purview of the district attorney, who's not indicted a great deal of those cases that are people are are stuck. But you in gotta North go County. get Trump. But gotta they go, gotta get, go Trump. get Trump out of this. So this is just becoming more and more of a PR problem. It's one thing to be Leticia James up here and be able to file a civil suit that nobody in the world understands and and have a judge that seems to go. And wrong with
2: everyone it. thinks it's out of bounds. It's
12: out of way. bounds and it's civil and it. But it's just crazy in the sense of what they done. It's another to have a, a case in, in Georgia which you're dealing with criminal statutes in which you've charged RICO. And I can't emphasize enough the RICO part here can bring in anything and anybody, which is probably why you saw some of the plea agreements already. Because you're it's sort of like if one is involved, they're quote, all involved, but yet if you look at the case, they're very disparate situations in each of these where one was a discussion with uh you know Brian Kemp or, or Brad Raffensperger. Another one was a discussion with a poll worker. Another one happened in Coffee County, which is in South Georgia, and it was just like, okay, how is this all one major conspiracy? And that's what they're trying to deal with as they go forward. So, looking at this is going to be difficult. But this does not help her in any way. Let's put it that way.
2: It doesn't. And does this guy, I mean, she's got to be removed. Number one, she's a political hack. Clearly, she's trying to make a name. Very similar to Letitia James. Letitia James ran on this. So she wants to go get Trump. So I, I just find the state case, people go, look out for the state case. Now we watch this, and I expected massive pushback and people saying, what a reach. But this guy, Towers, basically nailed it. Well, next thing yeah. you know, she's in a church
12: saying, look, forgive black women. Yeah, her her attorney actually – I mean, if this be true, then they found something and they're letting them go forward on it. But if it becomes more and more like it's going to be, you'll see the other uh, defendants probably uh, jump on it. But the other part also that they claim as well, and I've heard this several times, and this could be easily proved or disproved, the special prosecutor had to be approved by the Fulton County government. And there's a lot of discussion right now that she never got permission to hire this these uh, prosecutors. So it's gonna be interesting to see how you now that's a process. Yeah, and, and that could be easily disproved. So I don't I don't say that's actually because some of this is just easily disproved or not. But her remember, everything that's been said about her office, she is pushed back right. pretty quickly except this one.
2: I will say this. I looked at the Georgia polls today. <laughs> with all the stuff going on, with Warnock's success, and I don't think it would have been successful against you, but mm. well, Warnock's success twice now yeah. in Georgia. It looks like the president is beating Joe Biden in Georgia by six or seven points.
12: That'll be what he does. Yeah, it's there. It may go down to four, just out of you know. Joe, look, here's the problem. It's the same problem in the in the primary.
2: Wait, right he's fighting with your very popular governor. He's being sued by your state, and
12: he's winning. Yeah, look, the, and the governor right now is also. Uh, waffled this morning on whether he would actually endorsed uh, Trump as well in an interview, which I thought was rather interesting. Uh, the Governor Is that just Kemp, saying no? Yeah, Governor Kemp said that he wouldn't. Well, we'll see how it goes, basically, is what he said. But here's an interesting one for you, Brian. The Secretary of State in Georgia, there's a lawsuit going on about the elections yep. and the rolls, and he was subpoenaed to testify. He fought the subpoena, finally got the 11th Circuit. The federal court district said, no, you've got to testify under oath. He finally went to the 11th Circuit, and for some reason, they said he didn't have to. I want you just to think about this. The secretary of state in Georgia, who said everything's okay down here, we fought with Trump, we won, yeah. everything was perfect. Will not testify under oath about his election system.
2: Why Don't is you? It? that is bizarre? I leave
12: that I leave that up to the person to decide. He can hide behind executive privilege, whatever. But my question is, if everything is okay,
2: you would relish this opportunity. But,
12: but he will not go under oath, and does and, and has avoided the state legislature on several occasions.
2: Uh, Doug, always great to talk to you. Thanks good. so much for bringing your roller bag here before you hit that train. <laughs> always good to be I with you, I appreciate Brian. it. Uh, Doug Collins, uh, former Georgia ranking member. I would not be surprised to if Trump wins. You're somewhere in that mix. If you <laughs> want to put yourself through that again. Oh, God, we got to get
12: through this. we got to get Trump back a elect- we got to get our Republicans together. That's the biggest thing.
2: All right, we'll be back with you and Martha McCallum. Be joining me at some point this hour. Brian Kilmeade Show.
12: Learning something new
1: every day on The Brian Kilmeade Show. breaking news unique opinions hear it all on the brian kilmeade show i
10: think no matter who your president is whether you're for him or against the same party or not you want your president to succeed i think president biden's been pushed too far to the left i think he knows my feelings about that and he should be coming back to the center or center left which is where we make most of our decisions it's where the economy is and that's where the country is there's not a successful person or a family that makes any decisions from the extremes and thinks it's going to uh, exist or last. So we're trying to bring it back. And I, that's if I get a chance and they want to meet, I'm happy to meet with them.
2: That was uh, Senator Joe Manchin uh, an hour and a half ago. Martha, I was so undisciplined with Doug Collins, I went a little long. Your thoughts about Manchin? I know fresh off your great stint uh, with your town hall in the Iowa coverage.
6: Oh, it's great to be with you, Brian. Thank you very much. Uh, it was a great 10 days in Iowa. We had three big town halls and a big night of election coverage For the Iowa caucuses, I think that we'll see what happens in New Hampshire. I mean, everybody seems to be sort of closing the door. This is a done deal, and maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, But I think there's a few more twists and turns in all of this to come.
2: No doubt. Uh, No doubt about it. I want to get your take on that. And I think Joe Manchin, right after Super Tuesdays, is going to go count
6: me in. Yeah, I think so, too.
2: We'll play more of that.
1: The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian
5: Kilmeade. I want to congratulate Ron and Nikki for having a, a, good, a good time together. We're all having a good time together. And uh, I think they both actually did very well. I really do. I think they both did very well. We don't even know what the outcome of second place is. I also want to congratulate Vivek because he did a hell of a job. He came from... Uh, Zero, and he's uh, got a big percent, probably eight percent, almost eight percent, and that's an amazing job. They all did. They're all very smart, very smart people, very capable people.
2: So that is the very magnanimous president, uh, the president during his victory speech. Martha McCallum joins us in studio, three straight town halls, and then, of course, her great coverage. Now she's back from Iowa. Uh, Martha, which That reminded me of the, the President Trump that was at your town hall.
6: Absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think that that night during that town hall, um, we saw a sort of newer version of President Trump. Somebody who wants to, you know, he didn't talk about the stolen or rigged election. I, I think it's it probably the first time. He's gone a whole hour without using those phrases. And obviously he's a very smart politician. And I think we're seeing a little bit of a – you know, just – you have to evolve and you have to um, understand your audience. And I think that we're seeing a little bit of a – different version of the 2024 Trump on the campaign trail. And, you know, it's hilarious when he says, like, we're having a good time, right? My (laughs) idea of a good time is to basically um, rip you up one side and down the other and call you fake and phony. You know, I don't care. This is politics. We've seen this a million times. I mean, I know the Trump version is a little bit more acerbic than maybe some we've seen in the past. But we have seen, you know, I I think back to John Edwards, I think back to all of these candidates, we have seen them tear each other apart and then mend fences days later, which is why I asked the former president that question. I said, would you, can you see your way to mending fences with these candidates that you're running against and potentially having them as a vice president or on your team? And he said, oh, yeah, of course I can. He said, I already (laughs) like (laughs) Chris Christie better.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah. Uh, So by the way, this is how quick that went. So, obviously, it's, a, it's going to be a lot closer in New Hampshire with all the independents undecided sure. and people being able to register. So, and there was an American research poll out that shows it's 40 it's 40, but it was pointed out to me that ARC is a bit a little doubtful. Uh, you know, it's not the most reputable poll, and that that's why it's not in the real clear average. But having said that, the president just came out on True Social and said anyone listening to Nikki Nimrata Haley's whacked out speech last night would think that she won the Iowa primary. And she couldn't even beat a very flawed Ron DeSanctimonious, who's out of money. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he said Nikki came in a distant third. She said she would never run against me. He was a great president, and she would have followed her own advice. Now she would be stuck with weak policies and a very strong MAGA base, and there's nothing she can do. Uh, So... He's uh, he's out ripping. He's got six days.
6: Hundred percent. But if and he
2: because he know, he smells a knockout. Absolutely. This could be a knockout right. I,
6: and you know what? I I think you know when she says when Haley says you know that she's flattered by the attention. That's one of the big lines yeah. that she uses on the campaign trail when Trump comes after her. I think you'll probably hear that from her again today. That she's glad that he's coming squarely after her in New Hampshire. Um, but he, I think that's the way he sees it, right? It's like duck pins. Like he's like, okay, Vivek out. Next day, he's on the stage with him. Um, I think he wants a knockout punch in New Hampshire. We'll see if he can get it. It's a very different electorate. Um, It is strange that like 100,000 people in two states set the tone for the entire nomination process. We have to get through South Carolina, but I think it is weird the way that this is done. But um, he he clearly wants to wrap this up and move on.
2: So uh, having said that, we'll see uh, where it goes. I think two things. I I really am – I am um, a little angered by people trying to dismiss the biggest margin victory in the history of the Republican Party. At the same time, I also think it's wrong to ask the other guys and one woman, one man to back out. I think that especially when you are Nikki Haley in single digits from the president. She has a dream, too. Fifty one years old. She's never lost an election and she wants to see if she could do this. And you never know what you don't know. So what I also thought was that you were on the air. So I don't expect you to know. But I'm sure you heard about the coverage elsewhere, the refusal to take the president when he's talking about immigration in the border. Jake Tapper says made made those immigration phrases not worthy of hearing. And but I I thought Jamie Dimon, what he just said, I believe, uh, excuse me, on CNBC in Davos is important. Cut 48.
13: I wish the Democrats would think a little more carefully when they talk about MAGA, you know, and if you travel this country. You know, and the country's unbelievable. We took our bus trip this year and Leslie Picker was on Spokane and Boise and Bozeman. People are growing. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump and they think they're voting and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him. Uh, and but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. And if you look, just take a step back. Be honest. He's kind of right about NATO. Kind of right on immigration,
2: and he went on. He's kind of on the economy. He was right on China, mm-hmm. and he went on. So he said, "This is what we've been saying because you don't you don't understand when you We're put seventy four right? million people." But no. Jamie Dimon saying that significant. And
6: a New York Times editorial the other day said, "You know, you cannot look past the." Trump policies pre-COVID and the direction that things were going in. And their argument, this New York Times editorial, was that people still have that muscle memory. They know what that was like, and they are interested in renewing those policies. Even the people who are voting for Ron DeSantis, when you look at our uh, Fox News um, voter analysis polling – you know, they said that their second choice would be Trump. Now, you know, there's been a lot of chaos around the the last several years and a lot of it, you know, has been inflicted on the former president for political reasons. I think there's a majority of people who poll believe that as well. Um, But the country has been through a lot. So you can understand that there is an interest in moving past that with some of these other candidates. But when you get when you scratch the surface on the appreciation and the interest in that candidate, you get I still want those policies. Okay, so so for, you know, Joe Scarborough to come out and say, oh, this is ridiculous. He's not getting Obama numbers. This is an unprecedented situation. You've got someone who's been out for four years who comes back with has had everything but the kitchen sink and sometimes including the kitchen sink thrown at him. We don't live in a country anymore where you get people getting 80, 90 percent support. Um, we live in a very divided country. So you, you have to look at it through the lens of where we are right now. But there's tremendous support for the policies that he had, for sure.
2: Right. And that's what he wants people to go back to. Here's more from Jamie Time and Cut49. I don't like how he said things about
13: I Mexico. I don't like, but he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. And when you
5: guys have people
13: up here, you should always ask the why. Not like it's a binary thing. You're supporting right. Trump, you're not supporting Trump. It's Why are you supporting Trump? It's hard to hate
5: Trump? 75 million of your fellow Americans. It's, I,
13: I agree. It's done quite and, really- you know, yes. the Democrats have done a pretty good job with the deplorables, no. hugging onto their Bibles and their beer and their guns. I mean, really, like, can could, could we just stop that stuff and actually grow up and treat other people with respect and listen to them a little bit? And, and I do think the economy will affect. And I think this, this negative talk about MAGA is going to hurt Biden's election campaign.
2: What can I you say? One hundred percent. What right. can you say? I
6: mean, and when he talks about the, you know, clinging to their guns, that that's an Obama line, right? So that goes back pre-Trump or during during the uh, Trump election. You know, it's it's it is so interesting. And when I, you know, when I'm out in Iowa and I'm looking forward to getting up to New Hampshire, and I remember back in 2015 being in New Hampshire for the primary. And a few of us went out to go to a Trump rally. We had been to every candidate's events. I went to Sanders events, went to all the events. Um, When when you got there, it was snowing. It was freezing. There was a line wrapped around the building waiting to get in. Those people appear to still be there, and they are sticking up for him. They're saying we can't abandon him now. That's the kind of thing that they're talking about. And Jamie Dimon is 100% right. And for for CNN and MSNBC to cut away – From the acceptance speech of the former president of the United States is, in my mind, that is not protecting the truth. That is censorship. That is blocking. You are blocking the lead candidate. Are you covering this election? Listen to it. Comment on it. Analyze it after. You know, tell people if you think it's, it's, you know, lies. Do whatever you want. But to not cover the election. If you're covering the election, you have to show when the winning candidate comes out to speak. I
2: would think, especially we have no one have a contest on the other side either. You're supposed
6: to trust their judgment. They know better than you do. So they're, they're going to step in and prevent you from hearing what the winning candidate has to say. That's not covering an election in my mind.
2: Well, a couple of things are going to happen. Are they going to cut away from the State of the Union? And then when I brought this up yesterday. Well, Nancy he, Pelosi ripped it up. They, that's what the caller said to me. He said, well, you remember, Nancy Pelosi ripped up the State of the Union. If the president had seen that, I wonder what he would have done. But think about how inappropriate that is. And this is a woman, the stateswoman, that's going to go down in history. They're probably going to name a building after or a highway or a tar- tarmac. Uh, so this is what I worry about. For them to compete with Trump, Joe Biden can't run on his record. All right, you want to do negative ads. Yeah, I'd say Mitt Romney's a rich guy who's a attached, rich, attached white guy. But if he had won, the country wasn't coming apart. It would have been different. If you are exercising a whole bunch of people, not the Rachel Matters of the world, they already know they're acting, to think that it's Hitler and democracy's over. So if Trump wins, I mean, half the country will be, we have no choice. We have to ignore him. We have to wall off our 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 cities and our states from his policies. That's what I worry about. Nobody thinks about the big picture no, I on the left.
6: I th- I think you're right, and I think that if we see, I sense, I mean, the reason that you're getting all of this Hitler rhetoric
2: in January is fear,
6: right? they're looking at the situation and they're saying, in some corners, they're saying it's going to happen again. You know, he's going to be. The nominee and potentially the president. So they're gearing up with all of this kind of very incendiary discussion instead of just a fair look at what the policies would be. Now, you can you can slam him for January 6th. You can fl- slam him for the reaction that he had. Great. I what I'm sensing is that as painful as that day was, and it was painful for most of the country, right? People are they're going they're moving past it. Okay? They're looking at the actual outcomes and they're look, they're looking past it. That's not my opinion about what should be. Yeah. That is what we see happening, okay? So, Jamie Dimon is calling on people to be more civil to each other, to listen to each other, and I think that's the, you know, sort of 24 version of President Trump that he is going back to. This is also much more similar than the guy before he ran, right? The the, the Trump that we're seeing right now is closer to guy, the guy the that I grew up you know, sort of watching and, and then co- later on covering uh, as a local New York, New Jersey resident. So um, Jamie Dimon is on something, and I think he's smart. I think uh, that the Democrats should listen to him and make this an argument about policy and presidency.
2: All right. I think Jamie Dimon's clips will be on your show. I'm, I'm sensing <laughs> at three o'clock. Uh, we're going to find out for sure when we return. Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Newsmakers and newsbreakers. Hear it first on The Brian Kilmeade Show. The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
2: There's so many things
12: because he walked in and Dick Moore, he didn't react, which means he knows this guy. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, okay. He knows that very well. And he's so confident when he walks in, he doesn't even stop, right? He was so
0: confident. Sometimes if, if, you know, my husband's on a Zoom call, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? And this guy's on TV, just walks through, nobody reacts. I mean... Come on. you got to say, I can't help but notice, sir, that a man in underwear with giant boobs just walked by his shop."
2: And that, of course, is uh, Kat Timp, uh, last night on Gutfeld, and she's commenting, Martha McCallum, and your show begins at 3 o'clock, whether you want to or not. Uh, 3 o'clock today, There's uh, Dick Morris is on television on another network, and a heavy man in his underwear and a tight shirt walks on behind him. Oh, and it's really, really strange out of, a, out of a room. Oh, and- I'm
6: going to have to go look at that. I was <laughs> traveling all day yesterday, uh, like a five-hour delay in right. Des Moines. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go back and check that out. Uh, we, yeah, it's not the first time we've seen something strange around that,
2: that individual. Right. I had to take, tell some people in the green room, they go, who is that guy? I go, oh, he yeah. used to be here. And he had, like, a toe-sucking thing, and he yeah. had a hooker problem. The
6: bathrobe on his balcony. Remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah, yeah, I remember mm-hmm. that. Yep, yep, yep. Doesn't oh. mean he's
2: like, sometimes... Some things I
6: don't really want to know, <laughs> honestly. I'm <laughs> thinking into this. Um, not sure how much I want to know about that situation.
2: Before we get to our last topic, who do you think, what's going to be your focus today at three?
6: So, you know, we're going to be talking about this, for one thing, well, two things, okay? this This boarding fishing vessels the bureaucrats of the United States boarding fishing vessels and forcing them to pay $700 to check, you know, whether or not they have the rope rolled in the right direction. This is a huge story and it's not just if you're a fisherman. This is about the bureaucratic infringement on businesses across this country. Very big moment at the Supreme Court. So we're going to cover that very closely. And also this issue of, you know, how much people want overhaul change in the government. Significant change or complete overhaul of the U.S. government was a huge polling number in Iowa. So I'm going to be very curious to see what happens in New Hampshire. And because, you know, it's my show, we're also going to dig into what's going on with um, Princess Catherine and now King Charles also. Going into the hospital. Well, was King Charles, what happened with King Charles today? So he's going in for a planned procedure, prostate enlargement. He wants to be very open about it. He, it's, they say it's not, it's benign, uh, but he wants, you know, men okay. across the UK to be checked for this as well. But it happens simultaneously with um, Princess Catherine being in the hospital for two weeks. It, they say it's going to be for abdominal surgery, and she will be off the pub, out of the public eye until Easter. So all of this is raising some questions. Who's
2: Princess Catherine? Which one is she?
6: You really don't? Come on. I really don't know. You don't know that she's married to Prince William? You don't know
2: that? Oh, no. Prince William's wife? Uh, Yeah. Don't we call her Kate? Kate?
6: Okay, you can call her Kate, uh, but like you don't to not be able to make that leap from Kate to you disappointed me. I mean, she's called. I really print, didn't they're know. They're called princess. Uh, yeah, they uh, now go by Catherine. Oh, uh, okay. Yes, Kate. 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 Kate Sorry. Middleton.
2: Pete, are you scold with me after the show? Okay, I just I, I, I have to put it out there. Hey, Josh, <laughs> could you play the clip of of Austin's assistant calling in asking for an ambulance? Listen to that.
6: Fairfax County 911. Where is your emergency?
8: Uh, yes, ma'am. It is, so my name is. And I work for, and I am requesting an ambulance to be taken. Can I can I ask, that? can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? We're um, trying to mm-hmm. remain a, a little subtle.
2: They didn't give his name. Secretary of Defense Austin, getting, they called the ambulance to come in. Um, number one, the music we put in later was a tease. So Martha, my take is this. So that's an assistant that knows the Secretary of Defense is going into the hospital. He's going to be unable to do his job. He knows that the deputy was not informed and the chief of staff had the flu. So at least one person, let alone the Secret Service, knew about this. America didn't know Biden didn't know. Jake Sullivan didn't know. we got a minute left.
6: Well, I I, I, I don't think this phone call. I don't think this phone call. No, I I don't think this phone call is that unusual um, for them to want a low profile for a cabinet member. And and she said to him, when you get out on the major roads, we're going to turn the sirens on. That's just how it always works. And they said, that's fine. It's Austin who should have told the president. Austin was coherent. He was not in, under any anesthesia. Um, apparently, he was talking to the the tech, you know, the medical tech who came in, answering all of his questions. This is on Austin. This is not on this young staffer who calls and you know call. I wouldn't call this fire
2: industry. him, but I would have called. I would say, Mr. President, someone's got to run the Pentagon, Mr. Mr. Secretary. Don't you think?
6: No. This is on Lloyd Austin, hundred percent. Okay. He he knows he needs to contact the commander-in-chief and let him know he's going to be in the hospital. And they can keep it between them. I don't care as long as the protocol is in place and we know people are in charge.
2: Got you fired up. We need another hour. I don't have one, though.
6: Always good to be with you. I'm going to see you later at 3 o'clock.
2: Absolutely.